0: This episode of That's Total Mom Sense is sponsored by Sambacall. Fall is upon us, and you know what that means. Cooler weather, layers, and of course, the kids heading back to school. Have you checked off all the items on your never-ending list? New clothes, notebooks, pencils, brand new backpack. The kids want it all. But have you thought about how to keep them healthy when they're heading back to school? That's where Sambacall comes in. My kids and I recently started taking Sambacall every day to help support our immune systems so we can Keep doing what we need to do. Sambacol is made from premium European black elderberries, which are natural sources of powerful antioxidants and key vitamins like A, C, and E. They help support a healthy immune system and help you power through your day. What's so great about Sambacol is that they have tons of different ways to get your daily helping of black elderberry, like syrups, gummies, chewable tablets, drink powders, capsules, and more. They have products made just for kids too. My three kids love the Sambacal Black Elderberry gummies. They love the flavor and remind me to give it to them when we're rushing out the door during drop-off. Make a healthy immune system part of your back to school strategy this year with Sambacall. My listeners can receive 15% off their next order of $9.99 or more at SambacallUSA.com by using my promo code MomSense15 at checkout. That's 15% off your order of $9.99 or more at Sambacall, spelled S A M B U C O L, USA.com. And remember, use code MOMSENSE15 at checkout. And here's a pro tip. Save the promo code and the website address in your notes app. I know you're busy. Too busy to remember this promo code and sort through the episodes to find it. So it's MOMSENSE15 and the website is SambucolUSA.com.
1: You know, the quote that I like to use a lot is the Zoroastrian quote because, you know, Iran was Zoroastrian long before it was uh, Muslim or anything else. And the Zoroastrian quote is, Uh, good thoughts, good words, good deeds. So good thoughts lead to good words, lead to good deeds. So, you know, I try not to bad mouth people. Anytime I hear people talking poorly about somebody, I try to kind of get away from it. And for the most part, like I said, I try to be positive. I mean, even when I'm like... I can, I can be grumpy sometimes cause I'm tired, but even when, when I'm gr- just, I think just yesterday I was kind of grumpy and I think my daughter was talking, you know, she talks when she wants to talk, she's, she's on like, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't lash out. I just kind of smiled and I was like, yeah, yeah. I just kind of was going along with it. Cause I was like, just keep your inner grump in and don't ruin this girl's day. So just be, you know, be Aww. good.
0: This episode has been brought to you by Lunya and Lago. Whether you're waking up at night or just calling it a night, Lunia is your daily reminder to find beauty in the everyday. Lunia's mission is to elevate rest ever since it was founded in 2014 by Los Angeles native Ashley Merrill. Known for pioneering washable silk and cashmere, they've expanded into other signature fabrics like organic Pima and cozy cotton silk. Everything LUNYA makes is designed to tangibly improve rest with products as functional as they are beautiful. Sleepwear with patented no-twist waistbands, strategic ventilation, stay-put sleeves, and state-of-the-art fabrics are just some of the rest-centric innovations that are at the foundation of the brand. I love the short robe. It's a robe reimagined. It's constructed of the most buttery fabric organic Pima and it feels super soft to the touch and it's cooling too. When I'm just looking for some time to wind down at night or if I don't have to get ready till after my workout, I live in this robe and it's a very flattering silhouette. So if I have to wear it out to a drop off, no one's ever going to know. Use my special code MOMSENSE20 to receive Receive $20 off your first order of $100 or more at Lunya.co. Hi there, it's Kanika. Get ready for another season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview global thought leaders on their life stories, the legacy they're passing on to their kids, and of course, their mom sense and dad sense superpower. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Hey, I'm Daphne Oz. Hi, I'm Shawnee Darden. <laughs> Hi, this is Chris Salin. Hi, I'm Bob Nishamalan. Hi, this is Tony LeRoy. Hi, I'm Shannon Lee. Hi, I'm Farnish Tarabi.
1: Hi, this is Michael Perry, founder of Maple. And you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense.
0: It's our mission to be inclusive. So we're having dads pull up a seat at the table. Tune in to my new monthly segment, What Matters Most with Maple, featuring my co-host, Michael Perry, tech founder and devoted father of two. Thank you to my brand partners, community, and you, yes, you, for making this podcast possible. Episodes release every Thursday. Join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Do you know what makes parenting easier? Netflix and having a sense of humor. The man I'm bringing on my show today has both, Maz Jobrani. Maz Jobrani is a comedian, actor, and host of his own podcast, Back to School with Maz Jobrani on the All Things Comedy Network. His stand-up comedy special, Pandemic Warrior, is now streaming on Peacock TV. His other specials include Immigrant, which is a Netflix original filmed at the prestigious Kennedy Center, as well as three solo specials on Showtime, Brown and Friendly, I Come in Peace, and I'm Not a Terrorist, but I've played one on TV. He's a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and has given not one, but two TED Talks. He's appeared in films including The Descendants and 13 Going on 30, and is a regular on The Late Shows with Stephen Colbert and James Corden. He has an L.A. Times bestselling book, I'm Not a Terrorist, but I've Played One on TV, which was published by Simon & Schuster. Maz executive produced Everything Must Change, a documentary about his sister's battle with breast cancer, which is currently available on iTunes. In the spring of 2016, he performed at the White House, where he had the privilege of introducing Michelle Obama. As a UC Berkeley alum, he gave the keynote speech to the graduating class of 2017. He served as the host for the 45th International Emmys in New York. Maz and his wife, Frita have two kids and they live in L.A. Maz, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. That was a... Lengthy intro. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yes, no, absolutely. And I had to go through it because, you know, you have a lot of feathers in your cap and I want my audience to know we already follow you. We've seen your specials on Netflix, but there's so much more that you've accomplished. And I think it's, you know, definitely worth talking about. I, I want to start with you know, your roots. You're Iranian-American, and there's so much misinformation, and I feel like you're not going to get an accurate history lesson from Shahs of Sunset. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> can you enlighten us about the Iranian revolution, which was really a culmination of backlash against imperialism and spanned on for decades? It started with oil. So can you just give us a... Cliff notes of Yeah, what, first of what all, you know,
1: with with Shaws of Sunset, it's funny because before Shaws of Sunset, you know, we were mainly known as hostage takers and terrorists when you would see us on film and television. Right. When Shaws of Sunset came out, we were known as partying people who get drunk. And I was like, that's progress. I go, we <laughs> yeah. made progress. We're in the right direction. Um, yeah, you know, Iran is one of these countries. It's uh, in the Middle East, It in the early 1900s, when oil was found there. The British set up shop for a little while. And then eventually in the mid 50s, the West in general had formed an alliance with Iran, and the leader at the time there was a, the leader was, was the the Shah, mm-hmm. who was the son of the previous Shah, who had mm-hmm. been exiled because during World War II the father, since Iranians, the word Iran comes from Aryan, so the father yes. of the Shah had said, "Oh, the Germans are Aryans. We're Aryans. We should we should." you know, be on the side of the Aryans. And that's mm. when the West was like, nah. So they go, you got to go. And they say, your son, Mohammad Reza Shah, who's 21, mm. he'll become the king. Meanwhile, in parliament, there was a guy named Mossadegh, who was also a powerful parliamentary leader. And at the time, the Brits had uh, British petroleum, and they were basically getting a lot of the oil out of Iran for themselves. And they were they owned a major stake in it. So Iran was getting some of the Profits, but a lot of it was going to the Brits. So then Mossadegh, Mm -hmm. who was in the leader in parliament, says, we're going to nationalize oil, meaning we're going to kick out the Brits and take back our oil. And that's when the West was like, no, no, no. And the Brits were like, no, no, no. So the Brits went, there's actually books written about it. The Brits went to the Americans and they got with the CIA and they said, look, if this guy Mossadegh is allowed to win and, and nationalize oil, mm-hmm. then the communists will take over in Iran because Iran is also on the border of Russia. Right. And at the time, the biggest that was the was biggest Cold threat. War. Yeah. yeah, the Cold War for the Americans. So the Americans are like, oh, we're in. So then the Americans, Kermit Roosevelt, who I think was a grandson of Teddy Roosevelt, mm-hmm. he organized a coup that took place in Iran in 1953, where they overthrew the parliamentary guy who wanted to get the oil back for his own people. And they got behind the Shah, who had actually fled the country in fear for his life, but then he came back. And then for the next 20-something years, the Shah ruled Iran, and there's pros and cons. I mean, he modernized the country. There was, I think they called it the white revolution, that he was very much, it was becoming westernized in many ways. So you see pictures and videos from the 60s and 70s, and women are all, you, you, you could be in Europe, you could be in America. There's no, you know, women are covering themselves, but not... A lot of them aren't. You still have religious folks, but a lot of them aren't. In the late 70s, protests started breaking out against the Shah, because while the Shah was modernizing the country, he was buying a lot of weapons from the West. He was strengthening the country in many ways. He also ruled with an iron fist. Like there was no, you weren't allowed to criticize the Shah, like many countries in that region, right? So people would disappear. You know, his secret police, the Savak, would disappear people. So that allowed a lot of different factions to to form against the Shah. So there was, you know, you had your your intellectuals who were saying, well, we're being shut down with what we can say. You had maybe some some leftists who were saying, you know, same, same kind of thing. Then you had your religious groups. And there was all these different groups who were saying, this is a puppet government of the United States. And so eventually the protests broke out and those protests led to The 1979 revolution, where the Shah leaves and Ayatollah Khomeini comes in, you know, what reminds me a little bit of today in the Christian right is if you let religious leaders run a country, you're going to be going into the dark ages. And that's what happened. So, a lot of people who thought, oh, if we get rid of the Shah, it's going to get better. It actually got worse. They started executing people. There was like the moral police, so that now if you are in the streets, you got to cover yourself if you're a woman. If you don't cover yourself, they would stop you in the streets. Sometimes they give you lashes. It got really barbaric. And to this day, the same Islamic Republic of Iran runs the country. And my family left in late 78 when we saw the protests happening. My father was on business in America, and he told my mom to bring me and my sister just for two weeks, thinking that things would cool down, the protests would cool down, and we could go back. And we even left my baby brother back in Iran when we came. But uh, things never cooled down. They just got worse and worse. And I always like to say we packed for two weeks. We stayed for 40 years. 40
0: years. That's right. That's right. Wow. You really know how to find the nuances of the immigrant story and appeal to this you know, global audience.
1: Yeah, I think in comedy, you talk about what you know. You talk about your experiences. And so when I first started out doing stand-up, I had wanted to start much younger. I was a big fan of Eddie Murphy since I was 10 years old. And then my immigrant parents were like, no, 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 you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor. So then I went and studied poli sci undergrad. Then uh, I decided I was going to be a professor. So I got into grad school and studied poli sci there. And I was always doing plays on the side. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s when I finally decided that, you know what, you live once, you got to live for you. You can't live to make your mom or dad or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or husband, anybody happy. You have to make you happy. So I had a day job at an advertising agency at the time, and I enrolled in a stand-up comedy class. And that stand-up comedy class helped me just get some basics on what to write about. And one of the main things they drove home was, what makes you different than anybody else in this class? Talk about that. So I started early on talking about being Iranian in America. And there was a lot of being Iranian, Iranian dad this, Iranian mom that. You You know, those early jokes were like... Growing up Iranian in America was hard because we could never get any kids to spend the night because their parents thought we we're going to take them hostage, you know, that kind of silly stuff. Yeah. But then as I went along, I realized it's not just Iranian, it's immigrant. And it's not just Middle Eastern immigrant, it's Indians, it's Pakistanis, it's Chinese, it's Mexican. It's all of us who have grandparents or even parents who are immigrants can relate to a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. And one of yes. the jokes in particular, that opened my eyes to that was I used to do a joke about how my grandmother, we said, my my grandmother used to keep her cash in her bra. And the joke was, I said, we used to think she was a D cup till one day when we went to buy a house and she pulled the down payment out of her bra and we realized she's an A cup. And then we look closer and we go, no, wait, she's grandpa. (laughs) So it's a silly joke, but I was doing it at the laugh factory in LA. And there was these two Latina girls who were falling out of their chair, laughing. I go, oh my God. Mexican grandmothers keep their cash in their. they do too. the
0: same shit. Yes right.
1: And then I realized, wait a minute, like Southern grandmothers do it, you know Indian grand- So you just talk about you and your life and people get it. And, the tr- and and just the test of that is I've now toured with a lot of my uh, shows around the world. And if I'm doing kid and parent and husband and wife material in Australia or I'm doing it in Jakarta or I'm doing it in Stockholm, People are all laughing the same because they get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us how you and your wife, Pritha, met.
1: Preta and I met in 1999 on my birthday. So I'd just been on, in, a, in a four-year relationship, and I was happy to be out of it. I wasn't looking to meet anybody. I always say when you least expect it, it's going to happen. A friend of mine who worked at the same law firm as her said, hey, I've invited this girl to come to your birthday. And he wasn't trying to set us up, but... As we're sitting at this restaurant nightclub, it was like some hot club back then, and it was impossible for us to get in. The only reason we got in was because we got dinner reservations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In walks this beautiful Indian woman and starts talking to my friend. I'm like, "Who's that?" And then I and then he's like, "This is my friend." I go, oh, "Hey," and then and then we start talking. We hit it off, and you know everything's very loose. And she's from India. Yeah, And then at some point in a, you know, just to be silly, I go, Oh, are you Indian? Like, woo, or Indian? Like you know, and she goes, she goes, yeah, I'm Indian. I go, that's cool. And I go back to eating my food. And then she turns to my other friend and goes, what a fucking moron. And then my friend goes, dude, she just called you a fucking moron. And I thought that was the best thing. I go, Oh my God. I I high fived her. I go, that's great. So now she's beautiful. And she's got a sense of humor. She realized I was being, you know, stupid on purpose. So we just hit it off that night. We're talking, talking, talking. She's a lawyer. She's, you know, cool. We just really hit it off. And I, and it was funny because I was trying not to meet somebody. And I, and as I'm hanging out and talking to her, I was like, oh God, I think this girl is like, this could be serious. And uh, and then it did, it became serious. And now, uh, what was that? 99. So 23 years later, right? Amazing. Oh my God. Here we are. Yes. Oh, I love that. I
0: love yeah. that. And I, and I think that that's Really, how couples align is when they have that same sense of wit and sense of humor. I feel like that's yeah. what carries you through all the tough times, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you first became parents, what was it like for you and Beth? You know, how, how have you evolved over time?
1: It was super exciting. You know, our first kid was our son Dara in 2008, and I, being an older brother, I had two younger brothers. Um, one was five years younger, Kashi, and one was seven years younger, Joey. Mm-hmm. or Arash, but we call him Joey. Kind of my dad, again, having come from this family where he was the oldest son and help, And he he would always put it on my shoulder and say, listen, I raised my siblings, you got to raise your siblings. So quite often, like, you know, if I were going to the movies with my friends, my dad would be like, take your brother with you. And I hated it, it as like a 10-year-old, 11-year-old. I was like, ugh. But I learned responsibility. And as a matter of fact, I remember being in middle school and a lot of the girls would say things like, you're going to be such a great dad one day. And I was like, I don't want to be a great dad. I want to be your boyfriend. <laughs> like, right. like, Tell me <laughs> yeah. I'm hot. And they're like, you can going to be the best dad. I was like, oh. So anyway, once the kids were born, once Dara was born, you know, obviously as parents, it's really hard and it's nerve wracking. You don't know what you're doing. So you're, and especially nowadays, you know, they say knowledge is power, but knowledge can also be fear. So you read all these books about like, don't put your kid on the side because you could die from sudden infant death syndrome or like, don't yeah. do this or don't do that. So, you know, our baby boy, Dara, cute little round brown baby looked like more Indian than Persian, just cherub, just like, like yeah. we, like, we got to put him in a commercial.
0: <laughs> so sweet, he, yeah.
1: Yeah. When he was a baby, for whatever reason, at one point we were like in his crib, He would we were putting him to sleep and I guess he was like kind of leaning towards one side to sleep. So one day we look and we're like, oh my God, there's a dent in his head. Oh, and we're freaking out. We're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And so, of course, contact the doctor. She's like, listen, you get a bag of rice. You just put it there and make, make sure his head's flat. It'll. They're very uh, malleable. It'll go back. Right. So there was things like that. And then there was, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of, I, I mean, I my hat's off to women and what you go through, whether it's from the fact of like we were trying to do natural childbirth and hours and hours later when he didn't come out, we had to do you know, C-section. And then just, you know, there's obviously a lot of emotional stuff that comes with it. I just, as a man, I was like, we have it easy compared to what women go through. And so whenever I have a friend who's got, who's expecting a baby, I say, listen, if it's a guy, I go, I go, just be ready to be as supportive as possible. Cause your wife's gone through something here, you know, especially right. if you end up doing a C-section that's an actual operation. Yes. So that part of it's tough, but it's, you know, they're a gift to your life, lives. And then also, no matter who you are, there's that early beginning of like, gosh, they're waking up in the middle of the night and they won't, you know, <laughs> they, they need attention all the time and I, I can't get anything done. And you're like, please, like, your whole life is just trying to put them to nap to sleep, right. Right? <laughs> right? So there was a lot of that. But I tell people, I go, look, those phases pass fast. You know, I still remember going to a, one of our first dinners with my wife, we went to an Italian restaurant and it was great because he was a baby and we took him in that little baby carriers would put him down and he just slept throughout the whole thing. And I was like, this is great.
0: Would you light my candle? I just love the musical Rent. And you know what else I love? Winding down by lighting my Brooklyn candle after a long day as I curl up with an inspiring book or journal in my notepad. My favorite scents are Santorini Escapist, which reminds me of my honeymoon to Greece, and Midnight Mojito, my favorite cocktail. Brooklyn Candle Studio was founded by Tamara Main in 2013. The candles are handmade in Brooklyn and check a lot of boxes, 100% soy wax, plant-based and sustainable and free of toxins like phthalates, parabens, sulfates, petroleum, and dyes. All the vessels can be reused and repurposed, and the company limits the use of plastic with none during shipping. It's a luxury home fragrance at an accessible price point with the majority of the products ranging from just $18 to $40. Use my code MOMSENSE20 to receive 20% off your first purchase. So after the entire family's asleep, go ahead and light a candle to transport yourself to Maui or Kyoto and indulge in other products like room mists, diffusers, and bath bars. Good night. How do we teach them to be grateful and, and work hard just like our immigrant parents did in this age where they have everything and for the most part you know very little adversity
1: i try to involve them in as many things as possible so even though you know their job right now is to do well in school and do their homework and stuff i'll still sometimes say things like guys can you please do the laundry and fold it you know you can't break the laundry so i go just you know do it and they do it i've had them do dishes sometimes they're not that good at it try to teach them to be gracious to people who are less fortunate than them quite often if we're like a freeway stop and there's somebody asking for money, I try to give, you know, in front of them just so they see. At my son's school now, he's in eighth grade, they make them do community hours, which definitely helps as well. We went and fed the homeless. So a lot of that kind of stuff. And then also, you know, we don't, we're not one of these families who's got a very strict uh, allowance kind of thing going, like, you know, $5 a week or whatever. Like, you know, they make money here and there. They'll do things like They'll ask my wife, Can we massage you? And she goes, Sure. And then they make five bucks there or they'll do right. something and we'll go, here's five bucks and they just kinda let that accrue. And then I've also gotten to the point where sometimes I'll find them. There's like really no absolute rule, but if like let's say I go in the room and it's totally messy, I go, You know what? You owe me ten bucks. This is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I gotta, I gotta pay for someone to come clean this, blah, blah, blah. Or like my son lost a sweater, and I felt bad. He keeps losing stuff, and I was like, you know what? You gotta give me fifty bucks. I took fifty bucks from. Him. He felt so bad, but I just, <laughs> but I'm just lesson. trying to, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to make them think and learn, and and I mean, and I think, gosh, I hear so many times from people saying you have good kids. I think that's really, that's oh, the best one of the main ever. things. Yeah, you really want your kids to just be good people. Say thank yeah. you, look people in the eyes. I taught them one of the very simple thing. Teach him how to shake a hand, shake a hand firmly. Mm. Don't do the dead fish shake, dead fish yeah. shake. Forget it. Step aside. But firm handshake. People actually compliment me. My God, your son, your daughter has a good firm handshake. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's going to look you in the eye too. watch. Yeah, you know? Right.
0: Right. right. Oh, yeah. I love it. How can we as parents find the humor? Because the day to day is exhausting.
1: You just gotta breathe, you know. I mean, we're screwed no matter what. It's like us against them, and they and they and they're not malicious enemies. They're not like going around going like, "Let me plot against my parent to make his day miserable." Mm-hmm. They're just kind of spaced out in their own worlds. So when you realize mm-hmm. this is somebody I love, and I and I brought them into the world, and then this kid is just a space case or or just a mess, just take a deep breath. And like I said, sometimes you gotta. Not, you know, some parents feel the, the need to micromanage. Some parents feel the need to clean up the mess for them. I'm the opposite. I go, you know what? If they're going to go to tennis and forget the tennis racket, then, you know, you miss your lesson. You don't play. I'm not going to come back and bring it for you. Right. Or figure out a way to come home, get it and go back again. If your room's a mess, you're going to clean it. I'm just going to say, hey, listen, take your time, clean your room. But yeah, I think that's that's how... You, you can be as stressed out or as calm as you choose to be. Um, so if every little thing that they mess up is going to cause you stress, then you, you should definitely look into yoga and meditation and, and therapists and all that stuff. Because you're trying to micromanage something that's not manageable. They're not doing it with, with malicious intent. Because the thing is, when they're younger, you kind of expect them to leave a mess around the house. When they're teenagers they talk to you and they kind of trick you into thinking that they're now like you they're older and they're not going to just like drop a bomb in every room that they go but then you walk into that room you go what just happened and then you, Mm -hmm. hey come here you know you're talking to them and they're just like oh I don't know I forgot so it's like all right that's fine just cleaned up you know
0: yeah that's it just be real wow yeah I wanted you to go through some of your accents because you're so good at it just so <laughs> i love your impersonations well iranian for sure so we well, iranian
1: is just Iranian. just talk very uh, slowly and they talk like that Kanika june listen june means deer so they always throw deer in there. Kanika june i like that you are on the cnn but you know maybe one day you want to be on msnbc or something i don't know it's for your choice whatever <laughs> you want to do you can go back to law school, school. So we can't do two. Eh, yes. We can't do two consonants back to back. So school becomes school. Steve becomes estive. Steve. Traffic, terafik. So that's the Persian way. <laughs> now, Indian, you have to. For me, for Pita. Well, Indian is funny because Indian, I played an Indian guy. See, this would never happen today. But I played an Indian guy. I played two Indian guys. I played an Indian Sikh on. Curb Enthusiasm. And with mm-hmm. that one, I just tried to do a very slight Indian accent. Just very slight. I tried to keep it as real as possible and just like very slight. I didn't want to make it very cartoony or anything. I just, you know, just my voice, just a slight accent, that's it. Then I did another great. Indian part on a TV show called The Knights of Prosperity that came and went. And it was with Sofia Vergara, Donald Log. It was on ABC. For that one, it was funny because I had the audition to play this Indian guy. And as I was going, you know, my father-in-law is an Indian man and he's got a very high he talks like he goes hello mas hello good to see you nice to meet you how are you today we are yeah we are good everybody's good just hanging here for now like it was up here and i was like going to the audition and i was like should i do that should i do my father in law and i was like no that's going to sound they are going to think i'm trying to cart, like lampoon and make it cartoony so i was like yeah. i will just do it again very very slight accent slide. and just Deeper. Do yeah. and when i got there there was an actual indian guy in the waiting room who's who auditioning. And I was like, hey, how are you? And he's like, I'm good, thank you very much. And yes. I am like, oh my God, I <laughs> go. And they gave it to me. I beat <laughs> the Indian That's fucking awesome. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah that,
0: that was really, really good. Really good. Yeah. I guess the last one would be like Podunk American. Cause
1: that's all. Podunk fun. American, I mean, <laughs> I just, my Podunk American is just making fun of them. Like, you know, when I was talking about like the, um, I did a joke about how, I said, Americans are crazy. I go, what did we buy when the pandemic hit? toilet paper and guns. I go, what kind of combination is that? You know, it's like, I'm gonna buy toilet paper and gun. I'm gonna buy toilet paper and gun. I'm gonna take the shit, shoot the shit. America, wait, God damn it. I just, just good like that. It's, uh, I loved it. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. Is there a dad sense moment that you recall? And by that, I mean, it's our built-in sixth sense. It's our intuition. One where you were like, okay, you know, I, I know exactly what to
1: do here. I was on the phone with my agents in our home, and I'm walking down the hallway, and my son was maybe, I don't know, four, three, and we had this glass front door, and he's just, just walking. He trips for no reason, and his head goes right into the door, and I and right away, I go, I, I got to call you. I got to call you back. and I just hang up. And I grab him, and thank God there was nothing, but I was like instinct. I, I didn't wait. I didn't do nothing. I just like the, the, the glass broke the way it was supposed to break, and it didn't like break on him. Oh my god! And it was just like instinct, really quick. Like let's go. Right. And then there's also yes. been any time they've gotten sick. You know, I've always been. I'm not um. the dad who's like to my wife, like, oh, um. you go take care of him. I'm always up and about and with him. One time, my daughter, my daughter, we were in Mexico in uh, Ixtapa with the four of us and she got sick i forget what it was but she got sick you know we're in mexico so we called the hotel we're like, do you have any medicine our daughter's not doing well so then they sent like this doctor slash pharmacist i don't know what she was she came over and she had this fishing um one of these fishing uh what they call the the cases where they keep all the the hooks and stuff but it was filled with medicine so she opens it up it's like give her this give her this give her this so we give her the stuff and I guess some of the stuff, some of the medication, must have had speed or something. I don't know what it was because my daughter, all of a sudden, it's midnight, and my daughter, it felt like she was rolling on ecstasy. She's like, "Oh, daddy, ooh. she's having a good time." She's like, "Oh, this is great," and she's like, yeah.
0: she's, "She's just so
1: yes, yeah, she's seeing stuff. She wants to like dance." And my wife was like, "It's all you." So she and the boy are over there, and me and my daughter are in the bed. I'm trying to get her. To, I'm like, "Baby, just lay down, and I say, "Oh, daddy, I'm seeing colors," and oh my god, what a great time! I was like, I was like. <laughs> I think my daughter's gonna die tonight. I don't know, like, but it was funny. It was comedic, and it was and it was me just staying up with her all night. You know, again, another time she had at at her once she turned one year old. She actually, when she turned one year, she had febrile a febrile seizure because we'd been in Hawaii. We came back to L.A. She had just had her birthday, I think, and then she, you know, how it is when you you get a fever, and if the fever mm-hmm. drops too fast, it becomes a febrile seizure okay so our baby girl was basically she passed out we took her to the hospital now we're in the hospital of course my wife is traumatized we had a nanny who was like an aunt she's traumatized i'm we're all just traumatized but again that was one of those father moments too where after a while my wife had been through so much because i'd been out of the house when the febrile seizure happened so she saw it and they called the ambulance so when we went to the hospital after a little while, I just told my wife, I go, listen, why don't you go home and I'll stay here by her bedside and wait and see what happens. And eventually she she woke up and eventually she like, they told us that like one doctor was horrible. You know, some doctors, you got a good bedside manager. Oh, yeah. doctor was trying to be realistic. She was like, yeah, you know, she may be paralyzed on the right side of her body for the rest of her life or what." I was like, what? And so then she woke up and then she was like, Groggy, but but I was singing to her, and she was trying to snap with her right hand, and I was like, "It was." I, I remember calling my wife and going, "Guess who's up?" And then showed, Aww. you know, it was it was yeah, that was one of those like in a movie kind of moments. So that was definitely a dad moment because I was like, I'm, "I want to be there."
0: Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by?
1: You know, the quote that I like to use a lot is the Zoroastrian quote, because, you know, Iran was Zoroastrian long before it was uh, Muslim or anything else. And the Zoroastrian quote is, uh, good thoughts, good words, good deeds. So good thoughts lead to good words, lead to good deeds. So, you know, I try not to badmouth people. Anytime I hear people talking poorly about somebody, I try to kind of get away from it. And for the most part, like I said, I try to be positive. I mean, even when I'm like i can i can be grumpy sometimes because i'm tired but even when when i'm just i think just yesterday i was kind of grumpy and i think my daughter was talking you know she talks when she wants to talk she's she's on like and i I didn't lash out i just kind of smiled and i was like yeah yeah i just kind of was going along with it because i was like just keep your inner grump in and don't ruin this girl's day so just be you know be good
0: it's now time for mom hall when we share products we love dad hall is just fun shopping consumerism segment is there anything that you are using right now that you love it's an app it's a gadget that's something that you're like oh, i want to tell everybody about it
1: and we had they had bikes but we i think we got some more and it was great to go on bike rides with them we don't do it as much anymore just because everyone's so busy again um <laughs> i know one thing that's i a did that one, i though. Yeah, one thing I did that I I regret not having done more of is when you isolate one kid, like Dara, my son made me do it when he was, again, it was like five or six. He's like, can we have a Daddy and Dara day? And I said, sure. And it was so nice. We got our bikes. We went down to the beach, had no agenda. We just biked along the beach. We would stop. I said, you know, whatever you want to eat. What do you want to eat? It's like hamburger fries. Great. Let's do it. Got on a Ferris wheel. It was his first Ferris wheel. It was just like such a great time. So if you can isolate one kid at a time and do a Daddy and Dara day, Daddy and Mila day, that kind of stuff... It's always fun, especially. You know what I did for my 50th? I went with Mila, my daughter, and for the first time ever, I had my toenails painted. I never never colored my toenails. So she was off. I said, let's go do whatever you want. She said, can we get boba? I go, sure, let's get boba. Actually, we biked. We biked, we got boba, and then we got our nails done, and then I realized how hard it is to bike back with with wet nails. But
0: (laughs) Oh, fresh petty! That's amazing. I love that. So if you were to describe... Uh, this conversation interview in Farsi
1: how do you uh, Oh, والله امروز یه مصاحبه کردم با خانم کانیکا خانم که قبلا خبرنگار بود و الان سه تا بچه داره و یه پادکست برای خودش ساخته که با مادر پدرها سوال جواب میکنه منم یه دونه از کسانی بودم که شرکت کردم.
0: Wow, shukran. Yeah. I
1: don't know what you said though. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you said mother and peder
0: yeah mother and father yeah yeah oh wow so can you give me a loose translation
1: just i'm here today with kanika and she used to be a a reporter and now she's got a podcast where she talks to parents and i participated in it today oh that's awesome that's great
0: okay where can my audience find you come to your tours
1: i am touring All the time. The actual dates are posted at mazjobrani.com. But if they follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's all at mazjobrani. I usually update as I go. But currently, I will be in the LA area, and then in in Florida, and then Europe. And then I'm back to the East Coast. I'm doing New Jersey. Yay, let me know when you're doing Jersey. I'm there. Yeah, Jersey. I'm doing Jersey. I'm doing the New Jersey Performing Arts Center, New Jersey Pack, and yes. I'm doing Atlantic City. So I'm doing the Sweet. cultural Jersey and I'm doing the, you know, not down so and out much Jersey. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm doing both. I'm doing Boston. I'm all over it, all, all in the fall. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank, thank you, Maz. This is thank awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much.
1: We'll have this a great day really and great. we'll talk soon.
0: Thank you for tuning in to my candid chat with Maz Drabrani. He is hilarious. I loved watching him live at the Kennedy Center and uh, supporting my friend Zarna Garg, who put us both in touch. So thank you, Zarna. Love you. If you want to see him live, I highly recommend it. He has his tour schedule on his website, mazjobrani.com. In June and mid-June, he'll be in Dania Beach, Florida. So you can check him out there. And as he mentioned in the fall, He'll be touring the tri-state area, including my hometown of New Jersey. So check that out. You can follow him at majurbani.com and listen to his podcast, Back to School with Majurbani, available wherever you listen. You can follow me on Instagram at gupta, and you'll be able to watch highlights of this interview and look at the other distinguished guests that I bring on to that so Total Mom Sense. If you have show topics in mind or guests I have to bring on my show or just want to say hi, email me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time. That's Total Mom Sense.